Welcome in to Mile High Bourbon and Rye, a Colorado craft podcast. Thank you for joining another episode of Mile High Bourbon and Rye. I am always excited to talk Colorado craft with you, and I hope y'all have been enjoying this show so far. What I wanted to talk about for this episode is just sort of the evolution of Mile High Bourbon and Rye as it's gone over the years, what I started out with, kind of what my original aspirations were, and what they've become as I've continued to grow and evolve as the website has aged. So today I am sitting with a glass of Downslope Rye Whiskey. Very excited. This will be the next review that comes up on the website here soon. So a little bit about Downslope. They are a Colorado distillery since 2009, actually claiming the 16th license in the state to distill spirits. So they are one of the original Colorado whiskeys. Awesome little distillery down in the South Denver area. They actually do distilling classes there. They've got an awesome tasting room. Their still is really, really cool. If you haven't been there, I would say check them out or at the very least pick up a bottle and see what Colorado's been doing for 14 years now. That's crazy to me. It is 2023, so that would be 14 years after 2009. Absolutely nuts. Time flies. So Downslope Rye is what I am sipping on today. I'll take some sips. I'll give some notes on this particular whiskey towards the end of the episode as I talk about exactly what it is that I do to actually get the write-ups. But before I go into that, I just kind of wanted to touch base on... What I was trying to originally accomplish with this website and how that's changed drastically over the years. When I first started Mile High Bourbon and Rye, I had this idea that I wanted to be a whiskey guy. One of those guys that's either a judge on the panels at a World Spirits competition or writing for the big name whiskey review magazines, popping out a top 10 whiskeys of the year list where the number one whiskey was one that was just so excellent. I knew people would be lining up to buy it like it was an allocated bottle of Pappy the next year or even have Pappy be at the top of the list. I was just convinced that I would end up in that type of position. So the way that I started it was I'm just going to dive right in. I'm going to start trying as many different things as I can and I'm going to start writing about what it is that I taste and what I enjoy and I even threw in a points reading system because, again, I was convinced that's exactly what I wanted to do. And in reading back some of my original reviews, I realized that I was very much like whose line is it anyway, looking back on it now. Everything was made up and the points don't matter. So the points I actually moved away from a while into it because as I went back and tried some other things and I continued tasting, and even though I still had a preference for one style over another, or I still really enjoyed a particular whiskey, I 
not really think that the scale fit quite the same way. It was constantly sort of evolving, and I wanted to go edit the reviews, but I didn't want to edit anything after I'd already posted them, barring grammar errors or typos, which there's plenty of those in the original reviews as well. So instead, I decided that I'd leave it, at, or I decided that I would drop the point scale as a part of the review process, because that way, all of my tasting notes still are what they are, but if my flavor profile has changed, or I don't like something as much as I did, or I like something even more than I did, which has happened on a few occasions, it's not, there's no point holding it there that I feel I need to try and either justify or edit, so... That was one of the first things that I learned, is trying to assign points to the reviews is very difficult for me. Not saying that it's not the way to go for some reviewers, but it is definitely not the way that I enjoy doing my reviews anymore. One of the next things that I learned is to actually structure the review. Instead of just throwing a bunch of stuff in a paragraph form and kind of popping flavor profiles in there and basically just trying to word salad it out onto a page and hope that something looks nice enough that people enjoy reading it. My original reviews did have one that ended up being published in a book, which was pretty cool. But I still was am not I wasn't happy at the time entirely with how they were turning out. So the next thing that I really learned what to do in the reviewing process is structure out not only the review post itself, but my notes that I was taking as well have a clear, distinct pattern and profile that I would follow. What structuring that out did was create sort of the format that you see the reviews that I have now, which is also very much the same way that I take the notes that I have. This process kind of boils down into a few distinct steps as I'm doing the reviews for anything that it is that I'm doing. I'd like to kind of go through some of those steps here and just talk about the process that I have as I'm trying something new, whether it be for the first time or just the first time that I'm wanting to actually write up a review on it online. So since I have this delicious bottle of Downslope Rye whiskey with me, I'm going to go through just my process of reviewing a whiskey. It also happens to be the number one product that I review on the site. So the very first thing that I do when I've got a bottle home and I'm excited to put a review of it up online and talk about it with other people is pour myself a small glass of it in just a standard rocks glass, whether it be one of my Colorado Avalanche glasses, my Denver Broncos glasses, or the Mile High Bourbon rocks glasses, which you can get at milehighbourbon.com slash shop. It's just one of those basic rocks glasses, pour the drink in there, and then just enjoy it. It's kind of like meeting it for the first time, I guess. Even if I had it before potentially at a distillery, the first time I bring it home, I really just want to sit, enjoy, relax, and appreciate the bottle without immediately diving into note-taking on it. I think that that makes a pretty big difference in my entire review process because it makes this a little bit less work at least at the very beginning. Now I enjoy the heck out of doing this but when you're constantly trying to make it just I basically am making it work. I'm making a very fun hobby into work so it's important to me to have that first small glass without 
the pressure of trying to take the notes or do anything like that. Now the next step in the process is where it actually becomes as close to scientific as it can possibly be. Now I do want to preface these next steps by saying I am in no way, shape, or form a whiskey expert, and I am sure if you went to those World Spirits competitions or you were able to talk to the folks that get to be the judges and assign the medals or award the medals, they would tell you most of what I'm saying is either complete bunk or that's not the proper way to do it or anything like that. Basically, I've found what works out the best for me, and I enjoy doing my reviews this way. I feel I get a good flavor profile off of the bottles that I'm reviewing, and I still very much get to enjoy sipping it through the process. So, when I'm ready to actually start taking notes, this is usually a few days afterwards, I, well, let's start off by saying that I let it just sit for a few days after the initial opening of it so that the oxygen can kind of get in. It does affect the flavor in my opinion. I don't know how drastically it affects it, but I always feel like the bottles taste just a little bit different after being open for a few days. So I like at least letting them sit for a couple of days after that first initial pour because that's what the rest of the bottle tastes like and that's the review that I want to do. So then I'll get either a shot glass or something that's roughly two ounces or so and pour the whiskey into a Glencairn. I use the Glencairn glass for these because it the way the shape of the glass is it helps me to pick out more of the smells pick out more of the flavors overall just kind of enhance the profile of the spirit so that I have more clear and concise notes. I feel that I can tell what it is that I'm tasting a little bit better. On kind of that glassware note, it is really impressive how much of a difference the glass that something that you are drinking is in will make. I didn't think that would be a real thing until I tried some Chardonnays with that sommelier friend in different glasses and realized when he said, out of which glass do you like it the best, and having no idea which glass was which, I picked out the one that was meant specifically for Chardonnays. These things are designed with the flavors in mind, with the aromas in mind, to help you pick up those notes, and the Glencairn is definitely one that is known for doing the same thing for whiskey, so it's one that I have to go to every time that I'm doing the reviews for whiskey. I believe that it does exactly what its purpose is. So one of the first things that you'll see on the reviews are I always put the appearance of the whiskey, which is typically color, clarity, and I'm trying to get a little bit better about the kind of oiliness or how the whiskey sticks on the glass if it leaves those legs on the walls of the glass as it swirls around. These are just some kind of nice things because the the color tells you essentially how long it was in contact with the wood because when the spirit's distilled obviously it comes out just perfectly clear it's called white dog for a reason it's not it doesn't have any of those colors or anything to it the longer it stays in contact with the wood the more the color actually changes the clarity typically will help you know if it's been chill filtered or not chill filtration is just a process where it's exactly what it sounds like the whiskey's chilled and then it's filtered it pulls all of those oils and residuals left over out to make the whiskey clearer. Some distillers claim that this 
negatively affects the flavor of the whiskey. Some claim that it positively affects it, and some claim it has no effect on it whatsoever. One of the big reasons that chill chill filtration happens is because it makes it a nicer-looking product on the shelves of a store, makes it a little more desirable to be purchased. So these are all the things that I'm looking for when I first pour it into the glass. The next thing that I do is always just nose it right there. The one thing that I have learned for sure, and this is from my own personal experience and just being told it from other people who are sampling whiskeys, especially if you have a high-proof one, don't stick your nose in the glass. Hold it just a little bit below, kind of swirl it around underneath your nose, leave your mouth just a little bit open and breathe in that way. It keeps the harshness of any alcohol, especially again on those high-proofs, from burning your nose and making it, you know, very difficult to smell anything else on it. Also, honestly, anything that burns like that probably can't be too great for you, so I would say that it's best to avoid sticking your nose all the way into the glass. Once I've nosed it, gotten some of what I can smell on it, then I'll take a very small sip right off the front. This is another trick that I learned, is the very small sip initially coats your mouth with the whiskey so that it's not you're not getting like that harshness whatever it's basically preparing you for tasting it then i'll take another small sip but i'll let this one sit on my mouth for just a minute and this is where i get just all three of those sections of the flavors that i typically try to profile in the reviews the three sections that i'm usually trying to pay attention to are the front of the palate which is the instant the whiskey crosses out of the glass and into the mouth which Typically, I feel are more of the sweeter notes. They're more of the vanilla, more of the brown sugars, caramels, and things like that are typically right up off the front, at least the sweetness of those. Then the mid-palate, which I usually get more of the either savory, spicy, different notes like that. And also, the mid-palate is where it's just kind of sitting there and you can get that mouthfeel idea on the whiskey as well. There are some that are more creamy, kind of mouthfeel. They've got more of that sort of texture. There are some that are a little bit more crisp. There are some that are very oily. And that's another thing that I'm definitely looking for every time that I do these reviews is how does it actually feel as I'm taking the sip as well. And then the finish, which is exactly what it sounds like after you go ahead and swallow the sip that you took. What are you still tasting? What's still residual left over? What notes are you picking up there? This is where a lot of those like fancy finished, unique finished bottles, really those notes can come into play a lot there. The port finish for me always comes across on the finish of the whiskey. So it's cool to have those three distinct sections. After that, I add a little bit of water. With the adding of the water, I do want to iterate again that this is not really an official or scientific method. I'm not doing this to a super high measured accuracy. I do use a water dropper so that I can control how much I'm adding, but I usually just add a drop or two, and then I'll kind of smell it, see how much it's changed, see if anything's going. And on the higher proof ones, I'll usually add three or four. One thing that I would say is if you want to try something kind of fun as you're sampling whiskeys yourself, get uh, any whiskey that you have, but higher proof is always better, barrel, Strength is my favorite to do this with. 
and get a little bit of water and just add a couple of drops in and then taste it again and then add a couple of drops in and taste it again and go down and you'll see flavors change and things open up and different flavors come out more and some of them disappear and typically you'll find a spot that's just like this perfect wonderful best position for you for your palate on that whiskey it's a really fun experiment to do and it's also why i always add water to all of my reviews the other big piece of this that it adds is a lot of people will end up with whiskey on the rocks which the ice cubes are going to melt a little bit, which adds a little bit of water and dilutes it, opens it up, changes the flavor. So I always try to do with a little bit of water in there, no matter what the whiskey is, whether it's lower proof or higher proof, there's always a couple of drops added. After I add the drops, it's the same process all over again. Nose it, taste it, try to note all three of the different spots that I have and create kind of the final flavor profile that I have for the whiskey. The next piece that I think is something that I've learned from starting this off to now is if I can, I will try to get less information on the whiskey until after I've already taken my tasting notes because I can add some more notes to it, but I don't want to get notes that I didn't pick up on my own. What I mean by this is if I start researching it and I find a review of it online and this reviewer of a particular bourbon says that it's a very caramel bourbon i'm very easily could taste caramel right away off of that bourbon i don't necessarily want to do that i want to have kind of my own baseline before i start doing anything else but i will go and find the mash bills for them the age things that aren't listed on the label and just to have more information to put up on the site itself. This is usually done over the next couple of days, and then when I'm ready to put the post online and actually write it all out, I'll pour myself typically just a very small amount again, and just have a couple of small sips as I post it up, and this is just kind of a confirmation for myself. Is this really what I'm still tasting? Is this really the same thing? And this is just the process that I've developed over doing this through the years that I have. It works very well for me. I don't know that, again, it's necessarily the proper quote-unquote way to do it, but it definitely is the process that I've found works the best for exactly what it is that I'm doing, and that is having a good time with this and not trying to take it over the top too seriously, but still get good information out to everybody who's listening. Finally, a couple of the big notes that I do want to touch on when it comes to tasting, sampling, and just trying whiskey. There's some important pieces to it. A lot of people ask online, if you start to Google how to drink whiskey, you'll find like the, should you drink it on the rock? Should you drink it neat? Should you use it in mixers? The correct answer to how to drink whiskey is how do you enjoy it? I can't emphasize that enough because you should just be enjoying it. It shouldn't be a, someone else said this is the only way that this is good, so this is the only way I can possibly enjoy it. No, if you have a nice bottle that someone else really likes neat, but you like it with an ice cube, then absolutely 100% go for it. If you like to shoot it, if you like to sip it, however you like to enjoy it, then just enjoy it. The biggest thing is drink responsibly. Don't do anything ridiculous as you're going out if you're tasting if you're doing stuff like that either make sure that you're just enjoying everything responsibly i can i just want to very heavily emphasize that 
it's very important to do. So those are really the two biggest rules. Enjoy it however you want, but enjoy it responsibly. That pretty much wraps up the main points that I wanted to talk about. I do want to kind of give you guys a couple of quick notes on this rye whiskey. The nose is very, very rye bread, but also kind of cinnamon, maybe a little bit of raisin almost in there. Definitely some dried fruit for sure. It's a little soft up front, a little bit of sweetness, but not a ton. But the mid palate has a lot of white pepper spices, baking spices, and definitely that spicy rye flavor that I am a huge fan of. And then on the finish, you get a lot of that cinnamon type of note and definitely that like bread, dried fruit, cinnamon, spicy dessert type of finish. It is quite good. I I will have a review on this posted up as soon as I get all of my notes taken and written out. So be on the lookout for that review coming soon. Thank you all for joining us again for another episode. Please remember you can support the site and the podcast by using our affiliate links, which will be in the description, by donating directly to the PayPal link, or by shopping with us on our website at milehighbourbon.com shop. Right now I do just have those rocks glasses up, but as I said earlier, I am looking to add some Glencairns possibly some other merchandise as well. So if you're interested in anything, if there's something you'd specifically like to see on the shop, let us know. Shoot us an email. There's a contact us form on the site or give us some feedback on the show as well. Let me know what you think. You can also support the podcast just by following us on social media, subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts, and by sharing this podcast with anyone that you think would enjoy it. Now, as I said last week, I am going to wrap up all of my episodes with a dad joke. So This week, I have one that made me laugh and made my family all roll their eyes, so I think it's a pretty good one. James Bond walks into M's office, and M says, I have an assignment for you. And Bond says, what is the assignment? M replies, you're going to need to go undercover as a blonde person. And Bond responds with, do you expect me to wear a wig? And M says, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. I hope that made everybody's eyes roll as hard as my family's did, and I hope that all the dads out there appreciated it. Shout out once again to Roma Ransom for doing the music for the show, and thank everybody again. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.